You're listening to Age of Reason. Brought to you by Frozen Frame Productions. Hey everyone, it's JC and welcome to another exciting episode of Age of Reason. Today is December 7th, 2018. Before we start the show, I'd like to promote my book once again, Beyond the Obscure. Please get it, it's available in print and ebook. A very good story and you'll help me a lot by buying it. Uh, in fact, I absolutely refuse to work on my next book unless this one starts to sell actually. So, I mean, there's no point to write for myself. Today on the show, I'm going to talk about two articles. I actually wanted to talk about three, but I totally depend on the number of slides I have. So if it's about 20, then I'm done. It's enough material. So I wanted to talk about climate change, but that's going to have to wait a little bit. And today I want to discuss two articles that talk about Christianity and in particular how Christians mix fiction and reality. Okay, so the first article I'm going to talk about is this one. Here's why Christians believe in miracles. And it was posted in uh, the beginning of October this year, so it's not that old. Text says, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, we have at least to consider the possibility that we have a small aquatic bird of the family Anatidae on our hands. And I've been hearing this more and more recently. People start to talk about the possibility. Oh, you're not open to the possibility. Well, what does that even mean? What possibility are you talking about? Are you talking about the possibility of horses having wings, for example? Well, if you're watching certain movies, then it's possible. But we have to be uh, in reality. And in reality, it doesn't happen. So when it happens, I will adjust my views, but until then, sorry, but just this probability, possibility, I really don't care. I care about the cold hard facts. It starts with one obvious answer is that Christians believe because our ancestors did. Handed down religious beliefs are remarkably powerful and change resistant, and Christian belief in miracles dates all the way back to the beginnings of Jesus' worship. In fact, it dates back even further, back into the beginnings of the Hebrew religion and the earlier religions of the ancient Near East from which the Hebrew stories and beliefs emerged. Yes, that's a very good point. So, for example, the, the story of the flood, that is not original to the Bible. That is borrowed from Mesopotamian um, myths that existed thousands of years before. And uh, other cultures have this similar myth as well but it is not new to christianity okay christianity did not invent the flood myth it's absolutely not true when they say here that it was passed down from generation to generation again that's absolutely true in fact i just had a conversation with my mom and she says well you know i'm religious like most russians are by the way i'm dual citizen just to make that clear okay so if all the Russians jumped from the top of a skyscraper, would you also do that? Because they do that? It's a silly mob mentality uh, that really doesn't belong in this uh, century. Christianity was born at a time in history when every religion included a belief in magic or miracles. Miraculous healings, natural signs and wonders, good things magically happening to good people. And even more satisfying, bad people magically getting what they deserve. Uh, there are some people out there who believe that there is some kind of um, divine universal justice. 
So if you do something, then the universe punishes you for that. I'd like to understand the mechanisms of how that works. Uh, you're free to make claims, but without any evidence, if you don't provide me with any, you know, testable, reliable evidence, then I don't have any reason to waste my time listening to you. Life is not that long, and if you spend your life listening to nonsense most of the time, then you kind of wasted your life. Belief in all these was the norm, along with the conviction that humans can draw magic to ourselves by attracting the attention of supernatural beings, engaging in certain rituals, eating or drinking special foods, touching objects with talismanic powers, and more. What would have been truly miraculous would have been the emergence of Christian texts and traditions that didn't include magical thinking. Yes, indeed. So, in the Bible, where is the internet? Where are airplanes? Where is, uh, you know, stuff like stem cell research? Why do you base your life on archaic beliefs that go back, you know, 2000 years ago? Uh, sure, you, you can find some things in the Bible that are still true today, sure. But that doesn't mean that the Bible is true and that the stories in it are true. The Bible in a traditional Christian worldview include all manner of supernatural beings with special powers. In the Bible itself, this includes disembodied spirits, angels, devils, unicorns, dragons, seers, human sorcerers and witches, enchanted animals and a whole pantheon of deities. Yeah, so, you know, uh, if you think these are real, you basically believe in magic. And I don't. Again, show me the evidence and then I'll change my view. But sorry, I haven't seen any unicorns or dragons in my lifetime. Many modern fundamentalists, at least in their own minds, continue to inhabit this wonderland. They believe that an invisible ethereal plane underlies the physical world and that our lives are part of a cosmic battle between the forces of good and evil, which spills from the otherworldly plane into this one. So again, that's what I'm saying. Some people believe that there is some kind of, you know, universal justice out there. So this is actually some Christian who commented on a post. So this is an actual person talking here. Basically, magic and miracles differ in their source. Magic has either a human or demonic source, but miracles are a supernatural work of God. Well, of course. So what about the great flood though? So when, when he commits genocide on the entire world population, I mean, you think that if something is good, then it's a miracle. Well, how about that? I mean, how do you reconcile with that, for example? Magic is an attempt to circumvent God in the acquisition of knowledge or power. Miracles and magic sometimes look the same, but their goals are different. Magic and illusion distract the eye from reality, while miracles draw the eye to reality. Miracles reveal, magic hides. Okay, so I have, uh, well, I have one fake account on Facebook, uh, which, you know, I joined some Christian Facebook groups on it just for fun, just to see what kind of nonsense people post there. And it is nonsense. I mean, oh, damn, it's, it's seriously like losing brain cells while uh, reading some of these posts. And especially like people respond to these posts as if it's real. And that's just absolutely horrible. This type of thing, though, that I just read, this is not uncommon on these pages. This type of thinking and this type of phrasing, they don't even try to be original. They just parrot what someone else says. For those of us who don't believe that any supernatural stuff is done by either the Christian God or any other God for that matter, 
The distinction is little more than a cloud of smoke from an illusionist's mist-making machine. It's just one of many tedious ways that Christianity claims to be different. Yes, indeed, they definitely go out of their way to invent things um, so that they can claim that Christianity is um, unique. It's uh, different from everything else. Uh, you know, it's it's never been, it's doesn't plagiarize from anything else. Yeah, they definitely try to do that. Christians are extremely good at doing that. Not just Christians. I find Christian exceptionalism of this sort, philosophers call it special pleading, to be narcissistic and irksome. And I'm going to use the term miracle and magic interchangeably. So, for people who don't know, um, if you study philosophy, philosophy has a branch, logic and reasoning, and if you study that, you can actually learn about what we call logical fallacies. Once you understand logical fallacies, you can, you can see how things in the world, you know, when leaders say something or religious figures say something, you can really identify with this bullshit and what isn't. You have to study that. It's not that complicated, though. It, you know, you have a brain in here, believe it or not. This is to reason. It's not to watch porno and stuff like that. So for people who don't know what special pleading is, special pleading is applying standards, principles, and or rules to other people or circumstances while making oneself or certain circumstances exempt from the same critical criteria without providing adequate justification. Special pleading is often a result of strong emotional beliefs that interfere with reason. That says a lot right here. And one example is... Yes, I do think that all drunk drivers should go to prison, but your honor, he is my son. He is a good boy who just made a mistake. So you're making an exception because, you know, it's your son in this example. And, but all the other people though, who made, committed the same crime, oh uh, yeah, they can go to jail. But I digress. It is true that specific Christian beliefs about miracles and magic are products of a specific handed down tradition kept alive by the architecture of the church and the flow of history. But Christians are not alone in their miracle belief. Nearly 8 in 10 Americans say that they believe in miracles, including almost 20% of non-believers. I'd like to actually see a miracle once in my lifetime, because all I see are photoshopped pictures. Hey, this cloud and somebody photoshopped Jesus in there. And, and that's supposed to be impressive? I mean, I can do that in a couple of minutes on you know Photoshop or After Effects or whatever. This is not impressive. Or, hey, we see the uh, face of Jesus on a dog's butt or on toast. The fact is, most all of us find ourselves attracted to magic, even if we are firmly convinced it isn't real. People flock by the thousands to marvel and at tricks performed by illusionists, viewers flock by the millions to watch movies about supervillains, superheroes with superpowers. Young adult fiction is dominated by genres like fantasy and science fiction, and even paranormal romance. We humans love us some magic. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, okay, so in my opinion, all these movies about superheroes and stuff like that, they absolutely lack soul, if you want. They, it's entertainment. But... What is the satisfaction for the mind? And I feel that some people really just uh, flip completely. One, I want 100% entertainment in my life. And I don't want anything 
uh, for the mind to reason. Uh, for me, that's a very kind of strange worldview. And the second article is related to what I just mentioned. Uh, it talks about children. Religious children have trouble distinguishing reality from fiction. And this is from November. Oh, this is very recent. This is actually just uh, a couple of weeks ago when this show comes out. A study conducted by researchers led by Kathleen Corriveau of Boston University examined how religious exposure affects a child's ability to distinguish between fact and fiction. They found that religious exposure at an early age has a surprising effect. It makes children less able to differentiate between reality and fantasy. Uh, is that really surprising though? I mean, I totally expect that to happen. I'm not even a researcher in this field at all. Is that really a surprise though? For me, it's obvious. I don't know. I'm using my, again, logic and common sense here. Seems to be doing fine. Basically, those people who, you know, they believe in unicorns and dragons and wizards and all of that. Um, well, there, there is Dungeons and Dragons, there's Lord of the Rings, uh, there's a bunch of creatures in it. The difference is that people like myself, we know that this is just fantasy. It's just make-believe, it's just to make money of science fiction, okay? But for the religious people, a lot of the time, this is true. And this is not just about Christianity. I talk about Christianity because... It is the predominant religion in the US still. A lot of people identify as Christians. But it, it's the same in Islam. I mean, look, when you have Muhammad who ascends to the heaven in a flying horse, again, it's, it's a magical creature. We're talking about a, a Pegasus, basically. So how did they uh, choose the groups here? The researchers presented three types of different stories, religious, fantastical, and realistic, to a group of five and six-year-olds. Religious children were divided into three groups. Children exposed to the church and non-churchgoers who attended parochial school or churchgoers who attended parochial school. The fourth group of children included people who don't go to church, basically. The goal of the research was to find out if religious exposure would affect the child's ability to identify if the lead character in each of the stories was real or make-believe. So I mentioned it before. Uh, when I first was exposed to the Bible, I was already much older than, than five and six year old. And the first story that I heard was uh, the story of Jonah and the whale. When my, I think my mother read it to me, I immediately identified it as fiction. Okay, there's no way that this happens in real life. Cool story though. Wow, not really. The most surprising aspect of the research was how children's upbringing affected how they judged the main character in fantastical stories. These stories included events brought about by magic in study one or without reference to magic in study two. That would ordinarily be impossible. Secular children were much more likely to identify the characters in these stories as make-believe, while children with religious exposure were more likely to identify them as real. Again, no surprise. The study's authors suggest even if children have no natural inclination to believe in divine or superhuman agency, Religious instruction can readily lead them to do so. Religious teaching, especially exposure to miracle stories, leads children to a more generic receptivity towards the impossible, that is, a more wide-ranging acceptance that the impossible can happen in defiance of ordinary casual relations. So one thing that jumps to my mind immediately here is actually the threat of hell. Now, the threat of hell is absolutely child abuse. Because you're using that, that horrible image. If you do something bad, and by bad, it means they're bad. It doesn't mean necessarily objectively bad. 
So for example, you know, as we'll see later, pictures of people who protest against gays, uh, in my opinion, that's bad, but not for them. For them, it's actually a good thing. If you don't do that, then your soul, because they believe in the soul, is going to be damned for eternity in hell. You're going to burn forever. And the children, especially at that age, it's easy to be impressed. You're looking at your direct authority figure, which is often the parent or, okay, a church figure. And uh, yeah, you're going to go outside and hold those signs to protest against gay people. Now, you don't understand any of it, but hey, you don't want to burn in hell. So the results of the study could lead one to think that religion intentionally or not takes advantage of the natural gullibility of children and molds them into believing in the power of divine characters presented in religious teachings and literature such as the Bible. About 28% of Americans who participated in the 2013-2014 Gallup survey believe that the Bible is the actual word of God and should be interpreted literally, while another 47% think that the Bible is inspired by the word of God. It's pretty clear that we are not born believers, that's true, uh, everybody's born an atheist until your mind gets brainwashed by religious bullshit, but are shaped into believers depending on an exposure to religious teachings. And this is the, the Gallup poll. There's actually much more to it than this. This is just the very first category I saw. Uh, but basically what it says here is that how important is religion in your life? And from all the people that responded to this survey, still 51% said that it's very important. And that's why America really kind of is behind. I mean, I would say like Europe is more advanced in this respect at the moment. But America, man, is so far behind still. You can see the trend, it is going down. 51%, uh, by the way, the actual number is still higher because there are people who just say that it's important. It's not very important, but it's important. So, I don't know, it depends how you merge these categories together. It is difficult to prove if growing up in a religious setting turns children into better people, and some studies have even shown that religious children are meaner and more punitive than secular children. Uh, yes, that's what I just mentioned. And so what happens is that, you know, you grow up with these type of children, you know, holding signs like sin and shame, not pride. So that's against LGBT, of course. You're going to hell. Okay, again, brainwashed. Thou shalt not kill. Um, while I agree with the general principle that, you know, yes, people should not go around killing other people. What about self-defense? What if there's a robber that comes into my house right now? I don't have the right to defend myself. Or these fantastic ones. So again, anti-LGBT. God blew up the shuttle. Well, thanks Eminem lookalike. I'm pretty sure that he didn't. I'm pretty sure that the first man who went to space uh, was Yuri Gagarin from the Soviet Union. And uh, I don't know if it's true or not, I'd have to look it up, but there's a quote flo floating about and he said, uh, I see no God up there. I don't know, it's, it's him or someone else, but someone said that. Anyway, look, we can send probes to Mars these days. Or actually much further than that. Man, we went like, one uh, probe actually left the solar system. Nothing happened to it. If God was really against the space program, I'm pretty sure he would have stopped it at some point. And then eventually, you know, some of these people grew up to be adults and they, they continue to believe in that nonsense. So in this case, you know, she's holding a sign about the Twin Towers. Um, 
just a news flash the people who died during the twin towers incident they were mostly christians and other religions as well but the, the percentage of atheists there was minuscule i'm sure so it's kind of ironic that you know she's, she's actually kind of against her own people in this way and just one final point i'd like to make before i finish people say that oh well blame the parent don't blame the kid yeah it's true that i would also start by blaming the parent definitely uh but you also have to show some kind of authority towards the kid because some children they just don't learn uh, obviously at home they will not learn to be a better human being so then where does that education come from often it doesn't come from school either especially if they go to a religious institution so yes if i blame a kid i feel that i have the right to do that uh, because nobody else is doing their job Especially these days, anyway, parenting leaves a lot to be desired. Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope you learned something. That's that's the point. And the other point, of course, is if people were uh, kind enough to drop by the chat. I know I have watchers from all over the world. It's not just the US. Next week might be the last show of the year. Um, it, we'll see how it goes. It also depends on my health a lot. Uh, I would like to mention something next week as kind of a closing section, perhaps. And it's going to be my favorite moments of the year and, you know, the, the favorite TV shows, movies I've watched this year. Uh, I'm going to open it to the public a little bit, but usually people don't respond too much. So I don't know. Anyway, there, there's a lot to go through, but it's going to be at the end of the show. Uh, next week, I'll probably do that uh, climate change article, actually. So anyway, I'll see you then.